0: Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our third service today. So glad you guys made it. Uh, love seeing, looks like this service is growing, so I'm excited about that. Look, got a good group in here today. Yeah, this, was someone clapping? You can clap about that. Or maybe I was imagining things. I don't know. But uh, so glad you're here. We want to welcome you to the third service. And I may seem a little standoffish today if I haven't, you know, gone and hugged your neck or anything like that. I've been feeling a little sick the last couple of days. And so, I love you. I don't want to give you what I have. Now, if I have hugged your neck or, or have shaken your hand, that ought to tell you something, all right? That's all, all I'm saying this morning. But I'm just, just a little sickly today, and so. Uh, but I'm really excited to be here with you. I didn't want to miss today and, and just really feel, feel like God has moved greatly in these first two services, and I know that he's going to today and is already today in this service as well. We're in the middle of a series that we started last week called Look in the Mirror. And we, we just started this week, and Pastor Randy talked this week, and we'll talk, just give you a little bit of a review here in a minute, but, but just in light of the video that we just watched, I love that video. I love, I love hearing from from people and those especially who are, maybe have gone through some seasons in life and have a lot more life experience, and them just honestly sharing if they had some things that they could do all over again. There's a lot of wisdom in listening in what they have to say. And today we're going to be talking about looking in the rearview mirror. We're going to be looking in this rearview mirror. and, And let me say that there's a lot of wisdom in learning from things that have happened in our past. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And we encourage that. And we know that God can use that in our lives. But just as I've watched this video this week several times over... There's a lot more wisdom in learning from the mistakes and the regrets that other people share openly about, right? And that you don't make those same kinds of mistakes. And so I really hope that you'll have listened and taken to heart some of these things. If you had a chance to do some things different or some things that you might could do over, what would some of those things do? Or what would some of those those things be? Now, as we look in the rearview mirror, what some of us can have a tendency to do is, that's all we do is focus on the rearview mirror. Back whenever I was a teenager, the second vehicle I had was a little 1981 Honda Accord. This is what that car looked like right there. That was also affectionately known as the Smurf Mobile. All right, that's what we knew that was what it was known at at Boswell, and as I was driving as big guy driving that little car around, I first had a 79 Chevy Silverado that was black, short wide bed. That was the first thing I bought. And I realized every time I stepped on the gas that the gas just went like this. And so I got something that was a little, a little more gas economical at that time. And and, uh, and so I love this little car. But this car had all kinds of little things that were wrong with it. It was an older car. Whenever I got it, it had a lot of miles on it. Uh, it was still functional, though. I could still move forward. I could still get where I needed to go. But one of the things that happened all of the time in this car As I'd be driving around town, and if I would hit a pothole or a dip, or especially when it was cold, when I would hit one of those things, the rearview mirror would fall off while I was driving, okay? And it would fall. It would fall into the floorboard. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't fix it while I was still driving. And so uh, there was a time and a period where I would have to drive around town with no rearview mirror, and it is possible. It's possible to be able to move forward, to keep moving forward and to get where you need to go without having a rear view mirror, you know, but but here is the thing. A rear view mirror is something that is is there to help you in moving forward. It's there for you to be able to, to take a look at where you've come from. It gives you reference points for safely moving forward. It's there in case you see those little red lights that sometimes are reminders for us to slow down. I've just heard some of you share that. I wouldn't know anything about that, but some of you share. It, it just kind of helps us know where we've, we've come from. It's not necessary to move forward with, but they're helpful. They're helpful in, in us being able to, to, to move and, and go in the direction that we need to go in. And as a side note, since we're kind of talking about things that maybe we regret a little bit or things that we did... Um, whenever I went off to college, I drove that car to college at Howard Payne. This was before I met Hope and whenever I had this car. And then I met Hope there. And I met Linda. And Linda is Hope's identical twin sister. And we met there. And I started dating Hope at that time. And, and, and I did not know. And it got pretty serious. I didn't know for sure that I was going to marry this girl. But here's a big mistake that I made. I sold this car to her dad who became my future father-in-law. If I had to do it over again, that's something I would not have done because that wasn't exactly a great way to get our relationship started off because everything that could have went wrong went wrong with that car. And I even remember driving with him somewhere, and he's just always kind of grumbling under his breath about this car, never let me live it down. And uh, we were driving somewhere, and he hit a pothole, and the rearview mirror fell off. And I said, "Is that just started doing that? Man, that is weird. I can't believe that that has happened. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to you just, just about, about some lessons in looking in the rearview mirror. This week, we're going to look at moving beyond. And, and please hear me this morning that I'm not saying that you have to just get over some of the things that you've experienced in the past. This isn't a get over it kind of message. This is a message where you're looking in the rearview mirror at some of the things that are in your past... And what God wants us to do is he wants us to to take those things and to learn from those things. To take those things and allow God to process those in our life. And even some of the most difficult things that we've experienced in our past, because God is who he is and God is infinite and God is all-knowing, God can take some of those things. And the scripture says, it doesn't say that all things are good, but it says that God can work for the good in all things for those who love him, who are calling according to his purpose. What I've discovered is this, is that whenever I come to a place of knowing Christ as my Savior, it doesn't automatically mean that my memory is completely erased about all the things that have happened in my past. God doesn't pull a men in black thing where he just erases your memory and you don't recall anything. Last week, Pastor Randy started our series off by talking about taking an honest assessment by looking in the mirror and seeing you for who you really are. Now, some of us, we don't really like what we see in the mirror. We don't like that. Some of you, maybe you avoid the mirror because you just don't want to face the reality of what you may see. Um, I've noticed that there are others that you have a tendency to gawk in the mirror at all times where there is a mirror, okay? And you get that opportunity. But there are some that we, we just don't want to face the reality of what we may see in the mirror. And last week, Pastor Randy talked about your new identity that you have in Christ Jesus. When you place your faith in him, he makes you a new creation, a new person. He talks about that as you look in the mirror that you see his son Jesus now in that reflection of the mirror. Our past is forgiven. Our future is sealed. I mean, I praise God for that. But I've discovered as a believer is that just because I'm saved... God doesn't give me this spiritual amnesia. I mean, I still, when I come to a place of accepting Christ, and then I become a body of Christ, what happens is we all come into this body of Christ, and we all come with some serious wounds from things that have gone on in our past. For some of you, it may be the grief that you're going through of the loss of of a loved one that you're experiencing, or, or someone who is sick for some of you, it could be the grief that you've experienced as, as you look back and maybe you've lost a job or, or you're, and you're grieving that. Or for some of you, it could be that you, you just made a really bad uh, mistake and, and you sinned against God in a big way or sinned against some other people and, and you're having a hard time getting past that. And, and listen, God does absolutely forgive our past past, but he doesn't erase it from our minds. We come into the family of God with a lot of brokenness. We come into the family of God as the body of Christ. Sometimes we come in limping because we're hurt and we're struggling with things from our past. God's intention is to heal our brokenness. And God's intention is to patch up our wounds. And when we're limping, it's, it's, it's to, to help us along in our limp as we limp along in life at certain times. But, but I've noticed that God allows the scars to remain. And sometimes the scars are, are subtle reminders of where we've come from or maybe what we've been forgiven of and what God has done in our life. It seems like this time of year, the, in the new year, we will kind of reflect upon what happened in the last year. And we'll think about that. It's kind of a natural time as for many, they're saying, I'm glad it's a new year. I'm ready to get into a new year. This last year for many, you might see was say it was really hard. For some of you would say this last year, some things from your past, you're in a season of disappointment about some of those things or you're in a season of hurt or regret and for some of you you may look back on some of the things you did this past year and you you feel like you've gotten further away from God in that process and so now you're beating yourself up and 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 you're not coming to him with 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 your burdens and you kind of have isolated yourself in certain ways and and as, as this time of year comes around, it's kind of a hard time for people because we're just not sure what this next year holds and if it's going to be like that. And, and we also, many of us, we have a hard time moving forward because we are focused in the rear view mirror. We can't get past some of these things. I really think that in order to be emotionally and spiritually healthy, we have to get a, a proper perspective of what the rear view mirror is really for. What's it there for? It's, it's not to be our primary focal point. A rear-view mirror is meant to give reference points. It's meant for you to cast a glance and to see where you've come from and to know what was and a reflection on where you've been so that you can adequately move forward. And listen, if you don't use the rear-view mirror in the right way, and all you're doing is looking in the mirror and you're trying and you never are glancing forward and looking forward and having vision for your life moving forward, and all you're doing is focusing on the rearview mirror, you're going to continue to crash into things that are out in front of you. And your journey's going to be pretty rough. So the rearview mirror, we're not saying just rip it off and, and not ever and den- live in denial about some of the things. We're saying take an honest look and assessment and use that mirror in the proper way what we know is that life is really, really tough sometimes. And it hits us with all kinds of unexpected things. And Jesus has told us, in this life, you will have trouble. He has said that. And it's filled with all kinds of tough experiences. And as a pastor, I've talked to so many different folks within our own congregation. And and, and people share their story with me, and they share kind of what they've, they've come through. I had a couple that is an older couple that has some older kids now, and they've grown up, and and their kids are living a rebellious kind of lifestyle, and they, as parents, are living with some serious regrets, and they're looking back, and they're so focused on that, they're having a hard time moving forward, and, they, and I can just hear the pain as they've shared their story with me, and I hurt along with them as they share the things that have happened, and and, and, and listen, if, if we don't use that rear view mirror in the proper way, we're going to keep crashing. We're going to keep crashing. They shared with me some of the horrible things or bad decisions that their kids had made and they're having a hard time moving forward. There was another man that I talked to who he said a couple of years ago I started a business and when I started my business, man, it started out great and and we were really being blessed and things were going well, but this last year I took a risk in a certain area and, and now I'm paying for it. It didn't work out and now we're barely just getting by and I made a really stupid mistake. And he's having a hard time moving forward. He's been looking at that. Something, someone who shared that with me, I, I, I've heard from several different folks who said, I, I can't believe that, that I'm in, I've ended up in a place where my family has kind of fallen apart. And, and now I find myself as a single parent, and, and, and for, in some ways you might even identify yourself with what has happened in the past whether it's a failed marriage or a failed relationship or, or maybe a loss of job, and you identify yourself as, as an unemployed person, and we, we identify ourselves and we give ourselves this identity of what has happened in the past. And there are some of you that are, that are going through some things, some pretty rough things in your life, and we carry a lot of pain and we carry a lot of regrets and a lot of guilt. There are some of you that maybe you made a really poor decision this last year spiritually. And you move further away from God. And again, you're living with this guilt. And today what we want to do is we're not saying just get over it. We're not saying just to forget about it. We're not saying that that you just need to live in denial. We really want to deal with some of that baggage from our past. We want to look at it and allow God to use it in a way to make us more and more like his son Jesus and and not just live in this sense of denial. I want to look at a story today that I know will be a hard story for some of you especially in, in light of some of the past experiences that you've had um, but let me also say and let me also say that not every point is applicable for every single situation in your life i realize we come from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different experiences and i'm not singling out any one group of, of folks here this morning i'm trusting that god's going to speak to you in the way that he that he wants to in the way that he does and 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 uh, and so, uh, let me just say that as as we as we move through some of these points today, you may be a person who's dealing with some sin in your past that you can't let go of, and you're living with this characterization of guilt in your life, and and or uh, there may be some of you it's the grief of of losing somebody, and you're dealing with that, and so there could be two separately different things that are going on, but I still know that God can speak to all of us in His perfect kind of way, so. So hear me this, it's not a message in in saying that that if something hard or bad or difficult has happened in your life, I'm not saying today that that has happened because you did something wrong. In some cases, some things happened that you had nothing to do with absolute. Life's just tough sometimes. It's just tough, okay? So I just want to establish that up front as we look in this passage. Um, As you know, we're going to be looking at this passage in, in in the Old Testament about King David and and the story of King David and Bathsheba. And I'm not getting so much because we preached on this back in the fall about the, the, the story of the sin and what happened uh, in that scenario, although I'll give you just a little bit of context. But what I really want to look at today is we see this fall that happened in David's life and how, what I want to look at is how he dealt with some of the aftermath. How did he move forward after some terrible things happened? And for him, there were some things that were a result of his poor decisions, and he was dealing with some of the consequences that affected his relationship with God. As you know about this story, King David was was a king that was chosen by God. He was anointed by by God's messenger, a man with anointing. He was described as a man after God's own heart. But he also, as you know, was a man who made a tremendous, serious, sinful mistake in his life that cost him big. I mean, he had a tremendous moral failure in his life. He had a, an adulterous affair with a woman named Bathsheba. We've read about it and you've read about it. If you know the story, you know that in the affair that he had, he got this woman pregnant outside of wedlock and then he found himself in a place where he was trapped and now he was ashamed and embarrassed and trying to figure out how he was going to scheme a way to make this, to be able to live in denial about this and not own what he had done and And so he starts scheming, and you know that he ends up trying to manipulate her husband, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, into being with his wife, and he won't do this. He's a man of honor. He's one of David's loyal servants out fighting a battle for David, and David does this to him. It's a horrible, sinful thing, evil thing that happened here. And ultimately, you know the story that he has Uriah murdered uh, or or ultimately signs his death warrant by putting him on the front lines and knew that, that Uriah would not make it through this. Through David, through his greed and his lust and his abuse of power, he really went from being a man after God's own heart to being a wrecker. I don't know if you've ever really thought about David in that way, but he wrecked this family. He destroyed, And he was carrying, I know he was carrying some enormous guilt because we see that come out whenever we read Psalm 51. And there was a godly sorrow after he tried to go through all this hiding and then he was called out by God He disgraced his good name. He disgraced his reputation, his integrity. He disgraced Bathsheba. And God confronts him through the prophet Nathan. And David repents. He faces his sin. He has a godly sorrow. But I want you to know, David had some hard lessons to learn from this thing that happened in his past. This is rough. As the story goes, Bathsheba, she gives birth to a a baby boy. As you know the story, you know that this Child got very sick as an infant, and David's heart was broken for his sick little boy. And, and, he, and, and in this time where his son is sick, he falls flat on his face before God and he just seeks God and he's praying and the bible says that he didn't eat anything for 7 days as this was going on and he's fasting and he's praying earnestly through prayer before God and i know he must have just dealing been dealing with enormous guilt of everything that he that was going on and the scripture tells us that tragically on the 7th day he received the terrible news that this little boy had passed away david was carrying and this guilt and he was overwhelmed by what he had done and how it had affected innocent people around him and and but I want you to know that that God was still working in David's life and even though this is a, a horrific thing that he did and that he went through God still loved David he never stopped loving David I don't know, that would probably speak to some of you this morning as you look back on some of the things that maybe you've done in the past, maybe you did last night, maybe you did last week, last year, I don't know, or in the last decade, and you have just had a hard time ever coming close to God because you just can feel like God could never forgive you. And you still may have to face some of the consequences of your sin, but I just want you to know, I love the passage that that Jason read today. It says, blessed is the man whose transgressions and sins are, what did he say? Forgiven. They're forgiven. We're blessed. That's us. That's who he's talking about. And as David was at this place in the midst of all of his sorrow and all of his grief over his sin he had a choice to make and he found himself at a crossroads and that's the same crossroads where many of you are at maybe even today and the crossroad is this the crossroad is are you going to keep moving forward it's really a choice that we all have to make as we go through something tough or something difficult in our life whether it's something that we caused ourselves or for many of you, maybe you're just the, you find yourself as a recipient of some really unfortunate circumstances. David's choice, we'll see, and his choice is, he could have let this pain take him out and keep him down. And, and he could have just stayed away from God and been paralyzed in the past. Or he was going to let God use this, this terrible thing to soften his heart and bring him closer to God than he'd ever been. I want to look in 2 Samuel chapter 12 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can look there with me, starting in verse 20 here in just a minute. I I, I want to tell you there's some lessons that we learn from the rearview mirror. If you're taking notes, I just want to give you a couple things this morning, some things for you to write down. The first thing that we have to learn in lessons in looking back or looking in the rearview mirror is we have to come to this place of accepting what cannot be changed. There are some things that have happened in the past that, you can't go back and fix those certain things. You you might could make some restri- restitution with those that you've hurt. You may not be afforded that opportunity. Or, or, uh, but but you, you have to get to a place of, of moving out of this denial. Either you're still in denial about this thing that you've done or the sin in your past, or maybe it's a denial over the grief of someone that you love. And you're at this, you have to get to this place of finally saying, You know, I accept this, and in a sense, what we're going to see is David's kind of saying here in a minute, what has happened has happened. It is what it is. We say that all the time now. It is what it is. This has happened. I can't change this. I can't go back and undo this thing that I've done. This is reality. I have to face reality, and I have to move forward. All right, so look in 2 Samuel, starting in verse 20 in the NLT is what I'm reading this morning. It says, then David got up from the ground. This was right after he had been told about the loss of of his child. And he was upset very much and had prayed and fasted. God didn't didn't work things out the way that he had prayed and fasted. Have you experienced that? We all have. Where it doesn't work out exactly the way we think it should work out. Even though we've pled for something and, and it didn't work out. And it says, then David got up from the ground. I want you to notice this. He got up from the ground. He washed himself. He put on lotions and changed his clothes. What, what, I, what I get from this is that David said, okay, I've done everything that I can do. It's time for me to start moving forward. It didn't mean that he wasn't still going to be dealing with grief, but it was just time to start moving forward again. It was time to get up. It was time to, to he needed to be around some other people. So it says that, that he cleaned himself up. In other words, he's taking care of himself, okay? He was putting on deodorant, and, and people were thankful for that. And... Uh, and, and it says that, that he changed his clothes. And then I want you to notice, he went to the tabernacle and he worshipped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and he was served food and ate. In other words, he, he got to a place where he realized he needed to take care of himself. So. He needed to deal with some of his, his grief in this way and take care of himself. Now keep, keep reading. He says, his advisors were amazed. Now they expected him to, to respond differently than the way that he was responding. They said this, We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and you refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you've stopped your mourning and are, are eating again. Now look at what he says in verse 22. David replied... I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, Perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. In other words, there still was a window of something where maybe I could I could petition the Lord, I could do something here in some way, and God would respond in such a way. But he says in verse twenty three, but why should I fast when he is dead? Now now check this out. He says, Can I bring him back again? In other words, what David is saying, it is what it is. I can't do anything about this now. This is the scenario that I'm dealing with. This is what the, the hand that, that I'm dealt in a, in, a, in a way of saying this. Can I, can I bring him back again? I can't. I can't change what has happened. And I love this part of the passage right here. It brings us hope today. He says, I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Because this is just the way things are. He had to come to a place of accepting uh, what had happened in the past and David accepted the fa- fact that nothing he did or nothing that he could do was going to change the scenario from the past, and 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 I think that there may be some of you here this morning that as you as you're looking in the rearview mirror and maybe you're focused on that and you're you're focused on it with the hope that and with the regrets and all the things that go along with that of maybe I can do something to change all that or make up for all that, and so you're striving in that kind of way and. We can't change the past now. At some place, we have to come to this, this stage of acceptance, what's called acceptance in our grief. All kinds of different grief, right? Not just grief for loss of a loved one, grief of loss of a job, grief loss of loss a, of a good relationship. Maybe some of you lost a friendship and, and you're caught up in all of this. And or, or, or for some, again, it may be that there was sin and you're grieving over that and, and continuing to beat yourself up over that. At some point, you have to come to a place of acceptance. Now, I, I, I love my wife. Today's her birthday. She was here in the second service. Uh, our, our twin sister, Linda, it's their birthday today. And, uh, and uh, it's just, I love her and, and uh, wished her happy birthday today. She's blessed, blessed me with two incredible kids. And, and we have Luke and we have Trinity. And now Trinity has a really tender heart for animals. She really loves animals. She just especially loves cats, though. And I don't know if this is like, and some of you know me, I don't like cats, okay? I never have, never will. Uh, I just do not like them. They look arrogant to me all of the time, the way they prance around, you know, little arrogant little kitties. And uh, I'm just not a cat person. And I'm thinking this is probably Trinity's kind of rebellion as a preacher's kid that she likes cats, okay? That's the extent of it at this point. And, And she's a little girl, and I despise the creatures, but I love seeing my daughter happy. And, uh, and so a few years ago, we got Trinity, a little kitten, uh, and I think we got her for Christmas or sometime around there, a little kitten named Kitty Alice. And I'm just going to tell you, Kitty Alice was cute. I'll give her that, but then they grow into cats, right, okay? And uh, But but Kitty Alice was cute, and Trinity was in love with kitty alice she loved it and she was so thankful and that blessed my heart and she would take care of kitty alice and she would she would take kitty alice and dress her up and this cat would let her do this, but had that that annoyed cat look on his face, that arrogant cat look, okay? And I'd be like, Cat, you better let my girl do that, okay? I'm just saying. And she would, and then she'd put her in the buggy, the little buggy that she had, a little stroller, and she'd push little baby, uh, or kitty Alice around, and occasionally I'd get the little buggy when she wasn't looking, and I'd ram it into the wall. And, um, but but on one occasion, um, I hate to say this, I wish the story ended well, but but uh kitty alice got out in our backyard and where we live there are a lot of coyotes and i don't you know we know now that it wasn't a coyote but at the time trinity we we looked all over the place we we asked neighbors we went around we looked for kitty alice we were praying about it we were i mean it was hard place for me to pray for a cat okay i'm just saying that but we prayed about it and everything we looked all and i'm just telling you trinity was devastated this was some loss, and this was a loss for her. And you may think, well, that's not a big. It was a big loss for her, big loss for her. And one night, and we'd been praying about it, and we'd been looking for days, and it just didn't look good. And, and I finally, I sat down with Trinity, and we, we were about to pray, and I, and I was sitting with her on her bed, and she prayed for little kitty Alice to come home. And when she finished, I just felt like this is really a teachable moment with my child to understand that sometimes loss is just a part of life. It's tough. And so I said, Trini, I want you to know Daddy loves you so much. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this. This is, this is tough, and, it's, and, and I hate to see you hurt like this. And it breaks my heart to see you in pain over your kitty that's gone. And you need to listen to Daddy. Daddy loves you no matter what. But, but, but I just want to shoot straight with you, okay? There's a really good chance that Kitty Alice is never coming home and that she's gone. And I just need to tell you that. And, and and her big beautiful hazel eyes teared up her chin quivered and her lip pouched out and I was heartbroken and we cried I cried for her not the cat okay and we <laughs> cried together and I just was broken hearted for her because my child was experiencing loss and it's hard for anybody to experience loss it's a rough world bad things happen and after months of grieving for kitty alice and she did she was upset and all the time would just just continue to hold on to this hope that she would come back and i just said i, I you just have to accept this trinn is she's probably not coming back you have to accept this and and one day Trinity and i we were we were going somewhere in my truck and uh I like to listen to some George Strait. I'm just saying, okay? And uh, do I have any George Strait people here today? All right, and I was listening to it and, and, and drives my son nuts, but I still listen to it, and Trinity likes it too, and Trinity's learned some of these songs. And so Trinity knew the words to some of these songs, and I'm driving down the road, no kidding, and I hear her, she's taken one of these George Strait songs and has changed the words to apply to her cat that has run off. And I nearly wrecked as I listened to her sing this George Strait song, Gotten Good at Goodbyes. This is what she did, and I kid you not, this is, was written for Kitty Alice. These are the exact words that, uh, that Trinity sang in the back of my truck, and here's how it goes, I'm going to try to do my best. She sang this, she said, That's why I'm sitting in the backyard, staring at the deck, wondering if she'll come back. I say, what the heck? (laughs) I promise she said that. After she meowed, when she looked back, there were no tears in her eyes. That's got me worried, thinking maybe my kitty's gotten good at goodbyes. This is what she sang. That is the best country song I have ever heard. I was like, that was, a, that was awesome. I really nearly wrecked. I was laughing so hard. And she thought it was funny, too. She has a good sense of humor. And, uh, you know, but now, now on another note, about a year, year and a half later, Hope and Trinity were walking down the street together, and they saw that cheating kitty. In the house, in the window of, of one of our neighbors. And Trinity was like, there's Kitty Alice right there. And Trinity wrote a song that's Your Cheating Heart that kind of goes like this. She really didn't, but uh, it's a good thing I didn't listen to that because I believe she could do magic with that song, okay, in that scenario. But in all seriousness, okay, and, and Trinity dealt with loss, and, 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 and we all deal with loss, we all deal with some grief, Grief over past sins, grief over past losses. There are all kinds, and and some of us, we are just paralyzed moving forward. We're not moving forward right now. We're focused in the rearview mirror, we're trying to live in the past and we're living with all of this regret and and all of this these this wounds and again you're going to keep carrying wounds and God's going to turn those wounds into into scars at some point as they heal up and they're just memories for us to look back and see how God has healed us but 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 at some point and and I, I don't say this harshly I say this with a lot of tenderness in my heart for you at some point you're going to have to stop living in denial about something that has happened. That, that And I don't know what that is for you. And you're going to have to accept what has happened. And that it cannot be changed. And you come to a place of acceptance and saying, this is what this is. And, and I can't fix this. I can't go back and change it. All I can do is take this and learn from this as I move forward. And, and learn from this as I glance in the rearview mirror. At some point, you have, to, you have to, to come to a place of acceptance. What I really love about this scripture today is I love and I believe what brought David to this place of moving through his grief. He didn't, we're not just saying, get over it. He wasn't just saying, I'm over it. I'm sure it, it just stayed with him. But he, but he was processing this. What I believe David helped him process through this was that David got to this place of saying, I can't change this. There's nothing I can do going back. All I know is the truth of what God says going forward. And I can't bring him back, but I'm telling you this. His word says I'm going to be with him. And that's, that's where David's hope was at in this scenario. To move forward, you have to come to a place of acceptance, and that may be the loss of a loved one. You've had a hard time moving forward. I'm not saying get over it. I'm not saying forget about what happened, I'm not saying anything like that, but, but I am saying you have to start learning from that, and, and the best way, I believe this, the best way you bring honor to that loss in your life that you've experienced with someone that you love is by you, you honoring them by you taking steps and you moving forward, and you bring honor to them, and that's what they would want, that's what, that's what they would want, and it happened. You know, some of you who who it's something sinful or wrong that you did in your life. Listen, you have to come to a place of, of accepting the truth and the hope that we have in Christ. Just as Pastor Randy preached last week, that when you're in Christ, you now have his identity. He's changed who you are now, and he has sealed your future. You can't change your past. But listen, he can forgive anything. And this is so evident in David's life. This is evident be able to see this there's a a final thing that i want you to write down today that that i encourage you to take from this this morning the second thing and the final thing that we learned to do and there's all kinds of truth in this but i just want to give you a couple things today to think about is at some point as you've accepted what has happened and you're moving and you're pressing through that and you're grieving but you're still moving forward learning from the scenario you have to at some point and this is a tough thing because we want to be fixers you have to give it up to God you have to give it to him many of you know this Randy shared last week that, that our family right now is going through a pretty rough time and uh and just there's been a lot of tears that we are shedding and that it has been shed and will continue to be shed for some time and we're grieving um I'll tell more about the story here in just a minute, but as, as we're going through the scenario with, with my, uh, my family, my brother-in-law, he, he's uh, kind of in the final stages of his battle with cancer, and it's just been a really rough time. I'm, as I talk about this, it's always my hope as a pastor for our church just to be open with you. The worst thing I could have done today would be to get up here and pretend like everything's okay. That's not how we roll around here. <laughs> And and to pretend that we're exempt from feeling pain and grief as ministers, we're not. We hurt. We're hurting as we go through this. We're 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 processing. We're coming to places of acceptance. We're 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 dealing with that right now, and we're we're kind of moving through that. And this week, um, I was really just heartbroken. And and um, I like to fix things. I'm not a fixer of. Of uh, physical things as many of you know I break those kinds of things I like to, I like to try to fix things and fix problems and, and, and that's the way God's wired me up and I, and I get involved in those kinds of things and, and what I've discovered in this whole process and one of the th- ways that I've just felt absolutely helpless is I can't fix this and it just hurts so much And I don't apologize for weeping before you today because I just want you to know that that it's okay to cry and to weep. And it's okay to do that for those that we love. Jesus did it, and I couldn't follow a better leader than him. And um, my dad called me, and he said, Bart, I want to talk to you. I'm pretty good most of the time. I've cried a lot, a lot by myself, and probably will. Uh, Dan, outside of the relationship that I have with my dad Dan's my best friend So it's like, it's like I'm losing a brother And uh, he's my brother He's not my brother-in-law, he's my brother And um, my dad experienced a lot of loss Whenever I was a teenager He lost his brother Who was a police officer He lost him in the line of duty He was shot and killed And he dealt with that Within the same year my dad also experienced the loss of his brother-in-law who lost to a battle to, uh, to leukemia, who he was his second best friend outside of his relationship with his brother. And he said, son, I just, I just want you to know, I know you're the preacher, I know you know the word, I know that you, you know this, but I just feel like I need to tell you from my experience, and this is gonna sound really, really small, but I believe that this is where you're at, is this crossroad in this, You have to give this up to God. You can't fix this. You have to give it to Him. And 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 I I came to this place and and you know of of just saying, God, I know this that I don't understand all this. I don't I don't get it. I don't know why it's happening, you know, but I I know this that, that you're still good. You are still good. Verse 20, it says, Then David got up from the ground, he washed himself, he put on lotions, he changed his clothes, he took care of himself. He went to the tabernacle, and he worshipped the Lord. That's powerful. He said, I need to be with God. I need to give this up to him. I need, to, I need to experience this presence of God. That's the only thing that can bring me peace because other stuff doesn't bring us peace. What we do is when, when these kinds of things, grief over sin or grief over loss, when these kinds of things happen, there are a few different ways that we can respond. We can turn inward and we turn inward and, and we maybe if we've sinned greatly, we beat ourselves up with guilt and condemnation and that paralyzes us from moving forward for God because God wants, to, God wants you to experience the fullness of his forgiveness because he has more plans for you. Your life's not over. You messed up. Join the club. God has plans for you. But we turn inward and, and we get angry with ourselves or, or maybe it's the loss of someone and we, we start isolating from everyone else and, because it's tough being around people and talking about it and, and we turn inward and, and we isolate and depression settles in and, and a lot of times depression is this anger that's turned inward in our lives and we tell ourselves to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we turn inward for strength. And that's what kind of a humanistic viewpoint will say, is you got to turn inward for your strength. But I, you know what I'm finding out is my strength kind of runs out about halfway through the day. And I'll tell myself to, you know, pull myself up. And, but I still, there's got to be something more than just turning inward. I think there's a place to start. Some people we turn outward. We project on others. We start projecting if it's sin from our past. We may even project that on our kids because we see them about to do some of the same dumb things that we did. And so we project on other people or we blame other people and we say hurtful things in some ways. We might try to self-medicate outwardly to numb what's going on on the inside of us, maybe maybe through drink or through drug or through food or, or work or through sex addictions or whatever it is, we can turn inward, we can turn outward. But, but what I know David did right here and what I'm having to learn to do right now and in all scenarios and what you're going to have to learn to do is I have to turn upward. This is what he did. He says that, that he got up. And he went to the tabernacle to be in the presence of God. Some of you, you, you probably don't know about what's going on in my family, but let me just share just real quick, okay? And I, I might, my emotions are raw, and so I might, I might weep a little, but, but here's what's happening. He's my, my brother-in-law, uh, Dan. He's my age, and uh, I've known him actually longer than I've known my wife and Linda. Uh, we, were, we were roommates in college, and about a year, not quite a year and a half ago, he just had something that showed up on his jawbone that he uh, thought was just kind of a mole or pimple or something like that Uh, to make, not to go too in depth in the story, comes out it finds out it's melanoma he has been through a battle in the last 14 months like you wouldn't believe and it has been one of the fastest most aggressive diseases I, I can't even, I mean it's just amazing what has happened in the time. This last year, we look back on it, it feels like a dream. It doesn't even feel real. It's kind of like you're like, this kind of stuff happens to other people, not us, you know? So he's been through three or four surgeries, major surgeries. It's metastasized to his brain. He's been through gamma knife surgery. He's been through radiation, uh, all kinds of treatments, interferon, couple of weeks ago and he just had a a surgery to remove one of the three tumors Um, they discovered during that surgery that the other two were still growing even after everything that they'd done to try to stop them they had stopped it's just a relentless disease it's just the way it is and um, he developed some blood clots in his legs they went into his lungs and that's what's going on right now that's that's a dire scenario and uh and he knows that and they can't give him blood thinners because of the surgery it's just so he came home on hospice care about not quite two weeks ago about a week and a half ago and i'm just going to say from a physical standpoint it does not look good i mean remember you have to accept reality at some point this is what's going on we've been praying you've been praying you've been amazing we've prayed we had a day of prayer yesterday sometimes he's you know doesn't work out God has other things that are, and I don't understand it if I was telling you I understood it today I'd be lying to you I don't get it some there's some things that just do not make sense but he's home right now with loved ones all around him He was over in Dallas, in in Baylor, Dallas, and it was really hard for for a lot of people to get in and see him and love on him. And and let me just say that you guys have been phenomenal. His life group has been phenomenal, and just all of you have loved on Linda and, and Dan and Savannah and Sam and Isaac and Nate. The way you've loved on him, the way you've loved on our family as we try to support them as they go through this, I'm just thankful for a church family you don't have a church family, I'm not trying to get you to come to ours, although I think it's a pretty good one or I wouldn't be up here, but it's just all the more reason to have people around you and to do life together. We need each other. We've needed you, and I'm so thankful for that, but listen, what we're learning through all of this is that this, we're at a crossroad or a crisis of belief. This is, this is where our Christianity is really being put to the test regarding what we choose to believe about God. And that's where some of you are. And our belief, after some struggle, our belief is that God is good no matter what happens. He's still good. Whether Dan is healed physically or not, God is good in all things and God knows more than we know and God has a higher plan and I don't understand but this is where the faith really has to kick in and this is where we have to depend and give it up to God and trust on his peace that the scripture says he brings us a peace that passes all understanding other people don't get how you can be at peace in a scenario like this they don't understand it. And I'm telling you that Dan and Linda are at peace. And there's still a lot of laughter in their home because they both have a sense of humor. And the way that you have a sense of humor in the midst of all this is you are at peace. You're at peace. And he knows the Lord and he loves the Lord and is close with God and has, he's been a minister and still is a minister, as far as I'm concerned. And and this is also just another example of, of uh, how these bad things that happen are not selective towards certain folks. It happens to all kinds of people. Ministers are not exempt from rough things. Dan and I had a lot of have had a lot of opportunities to sit and to talk, and I'm trying to spend as much time with him and with them just. And, and I know Randy shared this last week. I feel more of a responsibility right now to be brother to them than pastor to everyone else. And there's a time and seasons for everything. And and, and so I've been with him a lot and we've been able to talk and I've been able to, and, and I'm so thankful for this, to be able to look into his eyes as I sit with him and he's still very with it and be able to say, man, I just want you to know I love you so much. You have made such a big difference in my life not everyone gets that chance to do that and we recognize that and when we say I love you you know we men we don't typically like to do that much so we have to throw a man on the end of it or a bro or you know or or dude so you know it takes some of the gayness out of it if we're feeling that way okay I'm sorry I said it like that but but that's what we do you know we do that but I've just been able to say I just I just you know and so what you might take from that is Don't wait till those times to to tell people around you that you love them. Don't wait. I'm thankful we have this chance now. We may not have had that. Um, Don't wait. Tell them today. Let them know today. You may not get that opportunity. But as I've sat with him, we've talked about heaven. We've talked about him being with Jesus. We've gotten to talk about all these things. And I said, as we talked about all of his wishes that he once carried forward, I said, Dan, I just have to know, man. Are you getting excited about going home? And he said, I am. He said, I'm ready. I said, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm ready to go with you. You know, I, I, but what we know is that this isn't the end. The Bible says, Paul says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, not even death. Where, oh, death is your victory Where is your sting? So, we're laughing a lot. His sense of humor is there. He's saying saying things. He said, Bart, I want you to promise me this, that you will keep preaching and keep preaching that our faith in God is not circumstantial. Keep preaching it, man. I was starting to get sick yesterday and he knew what I was preaching today and I told him what I was going to say today and he said... He sent me a text last night. He said, man, I'm praying you get well because I I want you to preach this today. I want people to hear our faith in God is not circumstantial. Our faith is in who God is, his promises, what he says. That's what our faith is, not our circumstances. And then he shared this scripture with me as he was kind of giving me a message. In Hebrews 11, it says, now faith is the assurance of things Hope for, and, and, and what does it say? Read it with me. It says what? And the conviction of things not seen. In other words, you don't always see what God is doing, and sometimes it doesn't seem like God is good because circumstances are difficult. But, but what he's saying here, and what Dan was saying to me, is that it's the conviction of things not seen. God is still good. We stand on that. His sense of humor is really making me laugh a lot, and that's what we've done most of our life. We've laughed a lot, and it's still going on. And just to give you an example, and I I don't mean to offend you with this, but just, this is Dan, so if it offends you, um, sorry, well, actually, no, I don't care, because this is who he is, and this is what he says, and this is what he's like, and and he said, uh, he said earlier this week, Randy and I were sitting, and we were visiting with him, and one of the kids from our church um, was there, one of the little kids, and, was outside and was ringing the doorbell over and over. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Over and over and over again. And Dan's back in his bed and he can't get up. And uh, he said, what's the doorbell? Who is that? And I said, I don't know. I'll go fix that here in a second. He said, can you tell him I'm in here trying to die in peace, okay? And uh, sorry if that offends you, but there's, there's, there's a sense of humor. And, and you know why there's a sense of humor? Because there's a piece about. What's happening in his life? It's peace. I had another story that I was going to share with you today, but we're out of time. But what I just feel led to do is just to pray with you today. And I want you to know that the same peace that Dan, and I want you to know, Linda has it too. She is at peace, and and we will cry, and, and we will continue in that grieving process, but there is a peace that God makes possible through Jesus Christ and you can have that same kind of peace there's a forgiveness that you have that he makes possible if you've sinned and you can't get past that there's a forgiveness that he offers through his grace i just want us to pray together today we know this that the only way that we have any chance of getting through something like this is to give this burden to God. It's to to give it to Him, to entrust Him with it. Some of you, you're very heavy burdened by something that's happened in your past. I don't know what that is today. God knows. God brought you here today because He wants to speak to you. If it's sin, He wants wants you to experience His forgiveness. If it's desperation, He wants you to experience His hope if it's chaos, and and, and he wants you to experience his peace, he makes that available to you so that you can be at the same kind of peace. And I'm watching my brother, my brother-in-law Dan and his wife Linda and their children, I'm watching them as a testimony to the glory of God. I'm watching them live that out you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you can call on Him today to save you, and He will. He will save you. He will give you that peace of knowing where you're going, no matter what happens physically. You might just call on Him right now to say, Dear Jesus, I believe you came for me. I don't understand it all. I'm still working through some things, but I believe you are who you say you are, and I I trust in you to be my Savior. Save me, Jesus. Thank you for paying for my sin. Some of you who are grieving today, loss of job or loss of of something else, loss of a person or something, pray that you would give it to him today. We're not telling you to get over it, we're telling you to give it to him as you begin working through this grief. Just thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for the truth. Thank you for the hope that you give us, Lord. Just pray, Lord, for every person who's here today and their specific and individual situations that, God, you would minister to each and every person. Thank you, Lord, that we have hope in Christ, peace in Christ, security. I thank you that this is real. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, Savior.